This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome in to episode number 131 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Noah Grant alongside Nick Maxson. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you here as always, as all of our listeners and viewers as well here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. Joining us for the ride here, college hockey is back. Our first weekend is under, under, I was going to say under the belt, but that's probably not the way I want to phrase that, but it's over. <laughs> um, and uh <laughs> we get to we get to talk about all things hockey here. We're just getting warmed up here uh, on a Monday night. Maybe that's why I feel so weird. Besides the fact that our show never really starts off that effectively, um, and I usually lead mm-hmm. off the show. So there's uh, there's your answer right there. But yes, uh, put me in, coach. <laughs> yes, we're we're going to speaking of uh, uh, coaching, we're going to talk about uh, kind of recapping everything non NCHC opening weekend, some scores, some things we noticed maybe around the Big Ten, around college hockey as a whole, just some kind of interesting tidbits that we might have noticed. Then we'll recap everything in the NCHC um, that we noticed related to those teams specifically um, and the scores that we can see. St. Cloud State men, of course, back in action in St. Thomas, doing very well. Uh, we'll recap that series. Women's team, good weekend for them as well, looking mm-hmm. uh, very promising. Nick has some great influence. On that and then we'll just lightly touch on the minnesota wild as well too as we head into the last week of preseason before the regular season opens extra ice session we're actually going to circle back nick maxson has in- info on this too and station media day uh mm-hmm. recap for that we didn't really get a chance to talk about that in depth but before all of that we start as always with center ice view news and notes in the huskies illustrated weekly roundup center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com few news and notes huskies illustrated weekly roundup noah um this is the time of the year if you're in the nhl where your pto is either you get a contract mm-hmm. um, or you get released and so these are some of those late signings uh acquisition sort of deals um so we'll go through these kind of quick because there's not too many of them uh jackets defenseman we're talking the blue jackets uh, andrew peak getting his three-year bridge extension 2.75 million dollars a season uh nice young defenseman 24 years of age 15 points in 82 games played um he's got one year left at the league minimum salary this year before his extension kicks in so a good depth uh mm-hmm. extension there for columbus i think any notable signings this is a big one jake allen in Montreal extended for two seasons, $7.7 million total with Montreal. Uh, this will begin next season. So again, he's still on the edge of his current deal. Uh, 32 years of age, uh, 905 save percentage, 330 goals against average and 35 games play. Uh, 
know what this signing or this extension maybe doesn't happen if we're talking about another Montreal goaltender, Carey Price, but uh, Montreal, I think if you had somebody that could, you're never going to fill the shoes of Carey Price, but if you're going to put a veteran goaltender out there that can give you a chance to win, Jake Allen, not a bad option. You know what's interesting? The Montreal Canadiens at this point honestly kind of remind me of the Minnesota Wild in some senses. I mean, Jake Allen doesn't have the pedigree that Marc-Andre Fleury has, obviously, um, or Carey Price for that matter. But I think the Canadians are preparing for the future a little bit, similar to how Minnesota is. Knowing they've got a couple of young goalies in the pipeline, they're going to start looking that, at that position a little bit more intently. And knowing that they've got a veteran in right now, uh, a younger person backing up for the Canadians, and then a couple of guys in that pipeline, and just kind of, the next two years are going to be an interesting mix where the veterans going to take over and then they're going to continue to address that position as the, the seasons evolve. Um, Montreal has made it very clear that Jake Allen, at least for now, is going to be their guy until a better option comes available or someone develops accordingly. Uh, mm-hmm. Tough. I mean, I would love to see Carey Price uh, find a way back to the ice in some capacity, even if it's not this season. Um, I still think uh, if he can rehab appropriately, there's definitely more left in his game otherwise beyond his injury. Um, right. But right now, uh, Jake Allen's going to be the stopgap. And two years, $7.7 million. Uh, the 905 and 3.3 goals against is pretty misleading because Montreal was really crappy last year. Uh, yes. So um, I like the signing and Montreal um, – their issues don't stop at goaltending. Let's just put it that way. No, uh, it's been quite the fall from a Stanley Cup final appearance just two seasons ago that uh, really honestly was sort of a, a catch fire at the right time. A couple of stars aligning for Montreal um, and, you know, definitely have, have sort of hit the rebuild button pretty heavily. Um, right. And so, like you said, this is more of a good way to try to buy some time. Right. And it's yep. no offense to Jake Allen because he's a quality goaltender. There's no question about that. But uh, you definitely get the sense that there's still more things in the works that are years in the making uh, for Montreal as they continue to try to build back uh, a championship contender. Uh, speaking of championship contenders, the Toronto Maple Leafs. How about this? Uh, Rasmus Sandin? No, Rasmus Sandin. Um, agreed to a two year deal, $1.4 million a season. Yes, for those listening to the Steve Dangle podcast. Yes, I ripped that from them. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Yes, 51. <laughs> yes, I did. 51 games played, uh, 17 points for the 22 year old Swede. So again, defenseman. So you're not expecting him to, you know, kill uh, the points category, but a, I would say a dependable seventh D right now. Uh, yeah. I know they want him to develop more into, um, you know, maybe bottom four role, but as for now, he's probably that seventh option. Uh, Gates, anyone, former Canadian Nathan Beaulieu um, is going to Anaheim after a PTO that uh, got him a contract one year, $850,000, uh, 24 games with Winnipeg. Most recently, um, he was on injury reserve for most of last season. So yep. uh, kind of a show me contract here for Beaulieu. And then Callum DeHaan. Uh, to Carolina again, offer a, a PTO one year, $850,000, which I believe is the league minimum this year. Uh, 31 years of age, eight points with Chicago last year. So game definitely regressing from his uh, days uh, as a New York Islander. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, injuries happen. And I, I think uh, players or I should say teams are, uh, they're okay to take some of these low risk type contracts because again, one guy goes down and granted Carolina's def- defensive acquisition this year was, was Brent Burns, but you can never have too much depth at any position. And so Calvin right. the gets a contract, he gets a league minimum and Carolina gets some depth and some insurance there in the back end. Yeah. 
Yeah, certainly does. A lot of good signings here. And uh, like you mentioned last week for us to really kind of find out some of these guys' fates here, uh, mm-hmm. uh, none of which, of course, include Marco Rossi, the Minnesota Wild, which we'll get to in, the, of course, the main portion of the show. So 100 um, percent. Some positive news, right, uh, with some maybe not so good news, right? Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, the state of Florida, especially southwest Florida. And this this one here is near and dear to my heart. One of my better vacation spots, a lot of sentimental memories down in the Fort Myers area, Sanibel Island. Uh, they have uh, they donated $2 million to the Hurricane Ian relief efforts. Um, you know, again, anytime an organization granted $2 million, in today's day and age, is a drop in the bucket, but still two million dollars that they're giving away to try to help the uh, the efforts down there um, in the state of Florida. So um, a nice gesture there from the Tampa Bay yes. Lightning organization that um, you know oftentimes gets kind of slipped under the rug, and I want to make sure they get their their recognition for that because they certainly uh, didn't have to do that. But uh, uh, again, that money can go quite a long ways of use, you know, in, in the right appropriations. Yes, very much so. So, um, hockey Canada, uh, we have to continue to talk about hockey Canada because they make us, I know, um, (laughs) we'll make this quick though. Um, and this is the part where the sort of audit, right? The ongoing audit was because hockey Canada does get government subsidies again from the government of Canada. Did they use these upfront funds essentially inappropriately? What sounds like they did, right? Uh, there was a trust, uh, that was used to uh, for with player fees essentially, um, and they were diverted to a second fund for sexual assault claims. Right, um, it was set to be dissolved in March of 2020, uh, which was listed in the documents as intended division date. Uh, but in late 2018 and early 2019, Hockey Canada and its members went to court to alter the terms of the trust, ensuring that it would be kept in place till 2039. Um, which I think is a pretty self damning yeah. kind of statement, basically saying that you are expecting more of this. And so therefore you have to keep something in reserves for these kind of things. Now, I think no, and I I may be a bit off kilter when I say this, if you have a legal fund set aside to handle things, I get it. But when you have it coming from players fees and specifically to sexual assault things, it just doesn't have the same bell, right? It doesn't ring the same. Yeah, not that uh, Hockey Canada's bell has been ringing very nicely right now. I would say right. it's akin to a certain bell in Philadelphia, which ironically enough has its own issues and players right. lying like uh, snow angels on the ice. But um, right. beyond that, uh, yeah, no, it's just the bad news continues. And, and I wonder, um, and USA Hockey has had its fair share of things, um, maybe a little bit, probably uh, closer to a decade ago, uh, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, the future of can hockey Canada, man, you really wonder, you really start to wonder you as we do. move forward here. And you kind of wonder what, uh, how many bills does it need to ring before uh, more sweeping changes are, yes. are, are due. And uh, at least from what we've seen as of the last, what, geez, almost 12 months, doesn't seem yeah. like there were any major changes, at least on the way currently, but these, these things are dynamic. These things keep developing and we'll certainly keep everybody up to date here on the Huskies warming house podcast as they develop. Uh, speaking of developing, right, um, this was something we covered last week. Russian players uh, apparently were not going to be welcomed to the Czech Republic um, for those NHL, essentially uh, international games. Uh, they've been cleared uh, for those in Prague. So uh, the Czech government uh, dropping uh, its attempt to ban Russian players uh, on the rosters of both the San Jose Sharks and the Nashville Predators. Um, this is coming from NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. Um, so this includes Nashville Ford, uh, Yakov Trenin, and San Jose um, also has Alexander Barabanov along with Evgeny uh, Smechnikov, um, yep. who was on a uh, tryout agreement, a PTO. Yep. Uh, so 
I don't know. I, I guess uh, we kind of had a feeling that it was going to go that way, but uh, again, it's dropped. Yeah. And I think just today, uh, right, uh, Nashville is overplaying Burn of Switzerland. So um, it seems to be uh, an issue of the past at the moment. Yeah, actually, uh, 32 Thoughts uh, um, for each talked about it really well and uh, talked about how um, both sides can be right. You can you can understand the animosity right from you know 100%. Czech government and understand, you know, obviously we're not over there and, you know, in the middle of the situation. And he also mentioned the iron curtain, even back in the day and feeling that right. uh, sort of oppression too. So, I mean, you can see it both ways. Um, but I hope that, you know, the agreement that the NHL has had and that the officials have had, you know, ultimately ends up in good hockey games. Cause that's the goal, right. For right. the players to get over there safely, safely to have really good hockey games and help grow the game. So uh, it seems like that's going to happen. And hopefully they're two really good hockey games and everyone is mm -hmm. able to travel and accept that appropriately. Speaking of sure. accepting things appropriately, Nick, uh, oh boy, the Seattle Kraken have unveiled their new mascot. Um, Disney had a helping hand. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> new, the new mascot's name is Bowie and uh, Twitter has reacted. It is inspired by the Fremont troll, which is a sculpture mm -hmm. beneath a bridge in Seattle that has been a landmark of the city for the last 32 years. And yes, it is literally a Disney troll. Um, like, yes. no joke. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, so when does Philadelphia come to town and when does Gritty and this guy get together? That's what I want to know. Yeah, I'm trying uh, to figure honestly. out. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, is it even a guy? I mean, I can't even. I don't know. Yeah, I do not know. Um, yeah, I, we don't know either. Um, okay. but, but Seattle did win their opener the first day that the mascot was unveiled. So, well, then again, that's, to be that's, fair, ga that's gambler's error. That's so Minnesota sports ask of you. I say then, then, <laughs> then again, to be fair, I feel like Philadelphia won theirs too. And uh, it's only a matter of time then before Chuck Fletcher oh boy. makes the move, right? Um, oh boy. It was, uh, uh, it was just a uh, you know, false foreshadowing, is all it was. <laughs> well, let's talk about false foreshadowing here. Uri Slavkovsky, Montreal Canadiens' first overall pick from this uh, past draft. His preseason play has been, quote, a little underwhelming. Uh, That's quite the statement. <laughs> yeah, general manager uh, Kent Hughes said it said it's no guarantee that he will make the Habs out of camp. And I thought this quote was interesting enough to leave it in. He said, we've got to do what's right for him. If we do what we said when we drafted him, we weren't looking for the best 18-year-old. We were looking for the best NHL player down the road. And I don't think we do that without making the best decision for him. Whether it's the popular decision or not, we're going to believe, do and believe what is right. Um, and he will likely end up in the AHL if he doesn't crack the roster. Um, mm -hmm. Six foot three, 238 pound winger. Um, of course, last season was in Finland's top professional league. So this is interesting. Um, they said he's kind of been underwhelming. Hasn't really produced in the exhibition games. Look really good in the rookie camp. Mm -hmm. um, was probably uh, Montreal's best player in that group there. I mean, it's going to take some time. Do um, you like the approach from Montreal? Well, <sighs> There's a sliver of truth to this. There's also a little bit of in-between-the-lines juiciness to this, right? Yeah. Because uh, they're playing tonight, and uh, all the Twitter uh, feeds that I follow, again, you know, uh, national folks who cover it, uh, the, essentially, I think Slavkoski got what I think was, this was a message by Kent Hughes, um, yeah. kind of in-between-the-lines that's like, hey, we know you can do better. Let's see it kind of thing. Yeah. Now, to the to the actual direct quote, right? It's 100% the right thing to do. Um, I know as fans and maybe casual fans uh, and maybe even circles around the NHL, I mean, look what, look what Shane Wright, you know, I, I think this is a, a good kind of, you know, diatribe to look at it as thought he was going to be the number one quick slipping to four. Um, right. Apparently some off ice conversations and we don't know exactly, but he dropped to four right. um, and he's going to Seattle. It sounds like, 
he's probably going to start with their national hockey league club. So, right. And the yeah. natural instinct for us right now is the first overall pick. He's the best player in the draft and he's going to be a making an NHL debut with a big club right away. And he's going to yeah. be a head turner. That doesn't always happen. And at Perfected. the end of the Right. And at the yeah. end of it too, this is the, you know, if Slavkovsky's if Slavkovsky, excuse me, isn't ready, then you don't force especially young player yeah, with all 18. that promising talent, right? Into a situation yeah. that is not going to help him develop and be like Kent Hughes said, the better, the best player that he can be down the road. Um, and look what's what and honestly, Montreal has the time. We talked about it with Jake Allen and where the Montreal Canadiens are. Again, they were bottom of the league last year. It's not like one player is going to turn around a franchise. It's going to take more uh, moves, more signs, more draft classes. So they don't need to rush them. But what they do need is that they're going to maximize their rebuild a couple years down the road. Then if the AHL is the best thing for them right now, then so be it. Um, You don't ever want to put a player in a position where he's going up into competition where he's not ready. Um, So whether it's he does end up making a last second impression or whether they really truly believe he spends time in the American Hockey League doesn't mean he can't get called up. Right. Yeah. So it's not like these things are permanent decisions. But if it is, he starts, you know, in Laval, um, then that would be best for him. And nobody should be panicked about that. Yeah, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, uh, right. you know, how about a player that's on the other side where he's so good he might be playing multiple positions here? Uh, oh, jeez. Mitch, Mitch Marner of the Toronto Maple Leafs is expected to try out a role as a defenseman as a situational D-man in potential, for example, late-game situation. He's been taking reps on the back end during training camp. Um, he's welcomed the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sheldon Keefe has talked about this, um, you know, seeing if he can handle that two-way uh, specialty, which is actually something that is a part of his game that really goes really under the good, radar. Actually. <laughs> um, you know, obviously. So um, Mitch Marner as a potential D-man in, in the late stages of the third period. Can you see it? Yes, actually, because let's take the title out of out of the situation, right? And hockey really has sort of evolved to where the positional things aren't quite as meaningful as they used to be, right? Right. Um, and again, I think the key word here is situational, right? right? And again, you're about the point. In terms of a hockey IQ player, in terms of anticipating the play and being away from the puck and knowing where to be and, and just kind of reading things, there's not a lot of better people in the National Hockey League at trying to be a little bit right. of a step ahead than Mitch Marner. And so it's almost like Toronto's trying to figure out a way to get his vision and get his IQ on the ice during those times where maybe they need to get ahead or dare I say, maybe trying to hold a lead. Um, and at the end of the day, doesn't this smell like Toronto is pushing all their chips in the middle of the table here? I mean, honestly, a little bit, uh, that's the GM. That's the players. They know that they've been given kind of a couple of get out of jail free cards. And at the end of the day, if, if something doesn't go right for them, especially in a playoff run, they're going to be major changes. I know we've said that a couple of times, but you know, you do really feel like the, the, the end of the road is this season if they don't have some sort of breakthrough in the playoffs. And so if you can get your best players out there to do some different things, but be impactful, why not? How about John Tavares taking the draw with Austin Matthews and William Nylander and then Michael Bunting as the extra player and then Morgan Riley and Mitch Marner on the back end to try a, tie a hockey game. That's well, Scary. <laughs> well, 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 I was going to say, as, a, as an opposing coach, who do you cover? You can't, eh. right? You know, it's everybody has uh, a shot capability. You have the eyes and the vision of Mitch Marner. 
that's nasty, right? Do you, think, do you think that if a goaltender along with five other NHLers stood in a semicircle right in front of the goaltender on the crease, do you think a puck would be able to get through? Yes. <laughs> Imagine Austin Matthews teeing up on that one. <laughs> Imagine if it was Shea Weber, if he was still healthy. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, boy. Uh, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk possible. about someone, someone who knows how to score our last little tidbit before a couple of injuries here. Uh, this is just kind of fun here um, because how Minnesota will this end? I want to know. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov, according to a lot of media outlets, multiple sources that anticipated to be a top five to top six score in the National Hockey League this upcoming season. Uh, do you see it? Uh, how does that projection look? I believe he finished fifth last year, if I'm not mistaken. Fifth or fourth, I can't remember. I don't think he was that high, was he? I yeah, think he was. He, he had 108 really? points. I mean, think about it. Johnny Gaudreau was second and, and he had 115. So, well, I can look it up right now. Look it yeah. up because I don't yeah. think he was that high. I think I he do. was seventh can we, or eighth. Can we bet on it? What are we betting? I don't know. What do you want to bet? You're you're the lawyer guy. Oh, no. <laughs> You just keep tweeting, uh, tweeting a picture of that uh, of me. In, so in some I, so I, so I have the answer here for you. Yes. Kirill Kaprizov was fifth. He was two points ahead of Austin Matthews and two points behind Leon Dreisaitl. Oh, okay. Okay. Not I'm too gonna, shabby. Not too shabby. Um, you know, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Uh, and yeah. I think, and I think a lot of people are, I think it comes down to two things. I think people are doubting it because they're thinking the team's going to regress because Kevin Fiala is gone. Yeah. And so somehow they're thinking, well, then that means Kaprizov is going to go down too. Well, I, they, I they weren't even it. on the same line. And like the other thing is one, the, the other thing is this Kaprizov, no offense to the wild. And I think they're getting better. Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi, um, youth right. infusions. Kaprizov, unlike the other guys that we mentioned on that list, even right there, not a lot of supporting cast, to be truly honest. Like, no, and, and honest, it's he's he's one of those guys where you can put him with anybody and he still will be successful. Yeah. So I, I do think it's possible. Um, I know that I think a lot of it, the wild just get written off because they just have never had that scary. And I think even with Kaprizov, there's still doubters. Uh, but he he is a workhorse, and after that playoff performance, he's hungry. Um, I, I think the team is going to be just fine this year. They may take a yeah. very small step back point wise, how, but Kaprizov will be fine. How scary is it to to say like the Minnesota Wild for the second consecutive year may have a score in the top five in the National Hockey League? Uh, what dimension am I living in and what episode of family guy is it? I don't know. I'm not um, sure, but you better pinch yourself. Cause I think I'm dreaming. I, uh, you know, seriously, well, someone who um, will be dreaming very well will be general manager, Bill Guerin, um, knowing Cam Talbot out five to seven weeks with an upper body injury. Well, the centers, I will say, by the way, you know what, actually we'll, we'll leave it for the Minnesota wild. Um, Philip Gustafson actually like it. I, I, he's, yeah. he's played well. I've been impressed. Um, Taylor Hall week to week with an upper body injury for the Bruins. Brock Besser will miss the start of the season yeah, after hand bad. surgery for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. That's tough for them. That's and then tough. lastly, uh, Maple Leafs, uh, John Tavares will be out almost a month with an oblique strain. And welcome into the main portion of the show, episode number 131. Nick Maxson joining myself, Noah Grant. Uh, for those who are wondering or looking on the YouTube feed, um, I am at home actually here. I have a nursing sure. clinical. How about this? Would you actually, small story here, Nick. Uh, so I am giving uh, flu shots, influenza shots uh, tomorrow I'm in my hometown. Um, and it's funny because it was a, it's a random draw for our clinical. So just because like I'm from my hometown, which happens to be close by. Um, doesn't mean that you're going to get it. I mean, you can get any 
clinical site that you get. Um, so I got this flu clinic that's in my hometown, which is nice. So I got to come home and see the parents. Um, just so happens that uh, Todd Grant, who happens to be my father, um, informed me that he happens to be getting a flu shot uh, <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, boy. <laughs> so uh, if I if I can't don't, write this, can't so, write the script. <laughs> so if I don't uh, return to the Huskies Warming House podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> OK. OK. Well, we'll carry it forward for you. <laughs> I, I, that's a that's a difficult task trying to pull that wagon out of that ditch uh with that being said how about the wagon that is rolling on uh, non-nchc opening weekend here um college mm-hmm. hockey around um of course our recording on monday as well be kind of a product of this as well too so right um, for those who are curious by the way we are going to be recording on saturday night next week because the men do not play women do for st cloud so we had a nice little recap for you as well but uh, looking around uh, the college hockey world, I think maybe let's start uh, with the first one that everyone's curious about. Um, Golden Gophers, Minnesota, <laughs> look good on the front end. Some really good offensive talent. Uh, goaltending might be an Oh, issue. boy. So it's early. That's the good news. <laughs> Tell us <laughs> and fans that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, like, it, I mean, you don't have to have, I mean, let's bring back Jack LaFontaine in the conversation. Um, and I and don't mean to disrespect Jack LaFontaine. That's not what this is at all. But, you know, he gets plucked to go to Carolina, doesn't go well, uh, yeah. gets sent to the minors, and then he was cut from the team. And now he's end up actually, uh, I believe he was on waivers this morning. If he clears, he goes to uh, Syracuse in the Tampa organization. So um, you can have you can get away with a mediocre goaltender. And I don't yeah. shouldn't say mediocre, but you can get it with an okay goaltender. Not one that's going to stand in your head. As long as your defensive structure is okay in front of you, but also let's be real. There were some goals that dare I say were Husky esque for that. For like give Huskies fans nightmares. Yeah. And again, you know, it's early. You, you kind of hope maybe it's jitters a little bit. It's a small sample size. I'm not too worried about it. I don't think golfers fans should be just either. Yeah. Now, if we start seeing this pattern the next couple of weekends, then we might be a little bit more concerned. But I, I, I can't, after two games, uh, I wouldn't be too too uh, going too crazy yet. Yeah, certainly not. Uh, looking at a couple of other ones, I did chuckle. Um, uh, of course, uh, former colleague of yours, Nick Speliopoulos, was up. Uh, of mm-hmm. course, he's working up in Alaska where the Nanooks yes. are in Fairbanks. And Fairbanks actually ended up being AIC 2-1 to one last night. And he posted on his I story, if you yeah. know, you know. And th- yeah. I thought I thought that was pretty humorous as well. Actually, looking around at a lot of the other scores, actually, most of the other ones um, do relate to the NCHC. But the other two I wanted, they're both Saturday night scores. Uh, the U.S. under-18 team beating Notre Dame by a score of 5-3. to three. I think Notre Dame's, That's interesting. Notre Dame's going to be a decent team this year. Um, mm-hmm. North Dakota actually struggled with Manitoba a little bit in that matchup before getting the five to one victory as well. But that's NCHE ish. Right. Um, let's talk we'll about Wisconsin. Yikes. Yeah. Against Lakehead. And we, um, we've talked a little bit about uh, Mr. Granado there and seeing where he's going to end up. Uh, is this, is this one you told Gophers fans to take a chill pill? Should Badgers fans be a little more worried? I think, well, the opposite is true. I think, they should be worried about what what sort of leash does Granado have. Um, yeah. And he's been there for a while. Yeah. Now, here's what's kind of happened, though. 
ever since the WCHA split, right? When Wisconsin was a team you definitely reckoned with, right? They were definitely right. a team that was up there in the conversation as one of the better teams in the country. They had a flash in the pan when they had Cole Caulfield. But the reality is they just haven't attracted the types of talent that, say, teams in the NCHC, teams in the Big Ten have done. Um, other than what's, you know, so they're they're kind of getting outshined. And honestly, this may come as a surprise to people, but it's not just a hockey problem with Wisconsin. Their football team also, athletics as yeah. a whole, has taken a kind of a step back. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Noah, is I don't know if it's, this is specific to hockey, but the Badgers athletics program yeah. uh, is sort of a little bit under the fire. And with that being said, I don't know if I expect much of a change, yeah. which means, yes, you should be panicked. And this yeah. could be, I don't want to say ugly, but it, it could be an underwhelming season if uh, if that is a, a just a sole precursor. But again, early, right? So you just kind of hope just things didn't go their way. Yeah. Well, NCHC talk. Um, it's been a long time since the Alaska Anchorage Seawolves have uh, been back in action. Yes. They their their Sunday night didn't go so well, but their Saturday night, uh, they beat the okay. Western Michigan Broncos they by did. a score of three to one. My girlfriend was at the game, and she talked about uh, she she kind of chuckled because she's like, "What this Western Michigan team is way better than UAA." But um, I mean, UAA three goals on eleven shots, Nick. Yikes! Including a power play marker. Also, they lost four to one the next night. The Sea Wolves did, um, and it had a power play marker in that game as well too. So, mm -hmm. uh, Western Michigan, I think is it's pretty obvious they're a good hockey team. But again, we talked about this in the entry to even St. Cloud and St. Thomas. Good goaltending uh, or a team buy-in to block shots can really change things. That and you know, I, I think every hockey coach would tell you that the travel out to Alaska does it's just like going yeah. and playing in Colorado and Denver, right? There's that is not a, a short trek. It definitely does make an impact on the traveling team. We both know Western Michigan's better than what they performed this weekend. I'm not yeah. taking anything away from the Seawolves by any stretch of the imagination. Of course you earn a win, but you, you definitely wonder if they were feeling some of that, you know, uh, jet lag per se, you know, yeah. uh, making that trek. So I expect to bounce back next week for sure. Certainly a tie and a win against Ferris state from Miami, a four to one statement in their second game. Bad. Good yeah. to see them a good little, sorry. Yes. I don't know. I don't really know that Ferris Street is that strong this year, but you know what? You get the job done. I mean, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're playing. It's... And I, and I definitely have some, some more onto that uh, when we talk about NCHC media day for sure. Yeah, yep. Certainly. Um, well, let's move over to uh, Max beach country uh, Duluth having a little bit of a handful, at least in night one with ASU, who I think oh, is going to be a good hockey team. This they year. are OT yeah. victory um, in the first game and then four to one in the second one. Although I'm trying to remember. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, four to one stretch um, period. Yep. Number two, three straight goals for the dogs there to kind of pull away in that one. But uh, Duluth, um, I mean, to be fair, I mean, geez, what is it, October? I mean, they've got they've got five months before they really warm it up, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> we and we know they only warm it up two weeks before yeah. uh, they play the Huskies in the first round of the NCHC tournament. Yeah. That's the way how it goes. So Yeah, seriously. Uh let's move over to some other teams here. Uh Nick, I think this is one that maybe surprised a lot of people, myself included. Um, by the way, Denver beat UNLV ten and nothing. That's not the one I was talking about. <clears throat> Exhibition for those wondering, yes. I say I'm a little surprised, maybe it wasn't larger, I guess, if that was a surprise. Um North Dakota beat Manitoba 5-1. Omaha beat Minnesota State 7-2. Yes, handedly. Yeah. Yikes. Um, 
Now, again, this is also an exhibition game, I believe. So I don't think this was an actual yeah. non-conference. Uh, so this doesn't go against them. But Correct. not a not the best way if you're a Mavericks fan to sort of get the sour taste of losing to Denver in the NCAA uh, championship game uh, just a few months back. But uh, again, give credit to Omaha. Um, They've kind of been this teetering squad. Again, it's one game, but yikes that you would give up seven. That's never a good sign either. Yeah. Tough. Uh, Last team before we hit our own St. Cloud state Huskies, Nick, I'm excited about this one. Uh, so Air Force got on the board early in period number one. Yeah, Colorado College scored five straight goals for they a five to one victory. Yes, uh, Matt, Matthew Gleason had two goals. Noah Prokop, Ryan Beck, Tyler Coffey um, had a two point night for him. Noah Laba had two points as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Yoon was on the board for an assist. Tell you what, Nick, not too shabby. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, Matthew Gleason, the former Cretan Durham Hall product um, up here. Again, he was the the MVP of the game I called uh, with Geno Parrish back in 2019, the uh, high school all-star prospects, and he had a hat trick in that game. And he, he's not the biggest kid, uh, but holy cow, he sees the ice while he skates like a bat out of you-know-where. And uh, when he gets time to, to to risk the biscuit, as they say, he knows where to put it. So um, good to see him get a couple of goals. I know he was kind of struggling a little bit last year, finding some offense. But uh, as we talked about this season, team again one game sample size let's remember that but um early indications that their transformation um continues to uh to, to take place under chris mayotte who i still think is a gem of a hockey coach i actually don't know where that bat was coming from can you enlighten us uh he double hockey sticks <laughs> there you go um well how about this uh st thomas ran into a little bit of that themselves against our own st Cloud state husky is a very good start yes. um for those who listen to MNCAA, um, a certain well-known Huskies Warming House podcast, a uh, certain somebody having to predict the score on Friday night. Um, who could it be? Who's to say? Um, but <laughs> for those we... uh, playing the home game, it wasn't me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that makes sense because you're the host. Um, but none- nonetheless, um, of course, that um, I keep saying Friday night. I'm going to keep doing it. It's Saturday. I it's just it's, it's so weird how that happens. You like all Saturday, Sunday. You, you all know what I mean. Um, but before we get to that, um, when St. Thomas hosted the St. Cloud Huskies, mm-hmm. um, let's mention um, our two award recipients. Vieti Mietnen um, was and forward Anhorn. of the week um, for the NCHC and then defenseman of the week. Dylan Anhorn. God, did he impress this? Yes, weekend. he did. Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. And that's the thing is like when we were talking about our line charts, it was kind of interesting how some of our lines line charts were spot on and then some of it ryan roseborough was in on sat uh, on sunday night good to, see, yep. good to see him jump in there um but again i think this defensive core it's going to be a smorgasbord of course we're going to get to obviously one of the changes that came from the first game for the huskies on the back end as well too um but beyond that i you know they have options uh st cloud mm-hmm. just continues to demonstrate that with their lineup card especially on the back end so it's been very exciting uh let's talk about that friday night game nick um Huskies win by a score of three to one uh, goals coming from Dylan Anhorn, who opened the scoring for the season for the Huskies from Yami Kranela and Zach Okabe. No surprise in the assist column there already. Um, Vieti Mietin with an assist as well as Anhorn, his second point of the game, um, assisting on the second goal from Zach Okabe. Uh, you know, what a great start from that top six on the forward side mm-hmm. too, just overall for the Huskies. Um, Adam Ingram gets his first in a St. State uniform. Dylan Anhorn. Another assist, three point night for him and Vietti Mettinen as well um, in that game. So, and then uh, in the second, those all came in the first period. And then the second period, um, it was St. Thomas striking back with one marker there, Nick. Um, 
Let's talk about uh, the difficult piece. Just six minutes yep. of that hockey game. Uh, Josh Lidke um, crashing headfirst into the boards, into the glass, mm-hmm. um, taken off on a stretcher. Uh, it seems to be um, from more, our initial reports um, from Brett Larson and company that he is doing better. Tests were positive in the hospital. He is uh, now on the road to recovery here. Mm-hmm. Don't have anything more in that. Not going to speculate on what's going on. Right. Um, seems to be, if anything, less physical ailment as far as like joints muscles things like that um from what it indicates but that's all i can probably offer there um we we were so stoked about him and of course the season that he was getting ready to have again we don't know the timetable so hopefully he's back soon but uh in the meantime nick um tough to see and uh tough little loss right now for sin club it is, and uh, I think we do need to address the elephant in the room here too. No one that is the hit itself, right? Um, yeah, it, it wasn't a bad hit. Um, it's sometimes, and in, in whether it's any sport, right? You just you get <clears throat> just one of those. I don't know what do you call it. Just it's a. I don't know what you call it a freak accident, but just yeah. things just sort of compound, right? Where one innocent thing turns into something a lot more than what we expect him. Yeah. You know, hockey's a collision sport, right? So it's interesting that we feel like either a hit here or a hit there, um, you know, nefarious or non nefarious is that, you know, you don't obviously wish for these things, but then when something doesn't yeah. seem like the input were, or the output should have came from the input, right. It's, it's just sort of takes you back a second. I think that's what you has know, really taken some people back on this situation, you, you know, and that's, that's kind of the thing that as we've gone, you know, of course you and I both playing the game and then getting to watch it too. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of remember a little bit, a couple of years ago was uh Jack Sean who went awkwardly into the end yes. boards and stuff. A lot of those plays that end up being the tough ones are plays that are not hard and heavy plays. They're just awkward little right. plays that end up in the wrong spot there. Um, of course did see a couple comments on social media about some sort of targeting or hitting from behind. I can, I can tell you right now. I mean, especially knowing no. Rico Blasi as well too. I mean, players don't intend to do that. Players don't intend to hurt people, you know, to, to, to have that end result be a thing. So I, maybe it's just me. And I, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, people are trying to be humorous and sort of thing. It's just, to me, it's a little bit sickening, you know, to, to honestly kind right. of assume that a, another team or, or anything would, would try to do something like that. I mean, come on, this is right. North, this is North Dakota um, and Ben Blood. But uh, beyond that, uh, all, all kidding aside, I mean, you know, of course, they put a really big damper on the season early. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think St. Cloud has demonstrated that they're going to be okay. Um, for the time being, I'm wishing the best for Josh. I mean, he's a sophomore, so, you know, take your time, do what you got to do. You know, if it, if it takes a couple of weeks, it's going to be what it's going to be. If it takes a couple months, it's going to be what it's going to be. We don't have a timetable. We don't have an answer, but really the priority is his health because he has such a bright future and such a great hockey career ahead of him that I, uh, you know, I, you don't want it to detract. Um, and for St. Cloud that night, it didn't detract, detract for them as well. Jackson Castor, really nice start for him um, as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, Huskies on Friday night uh, on the road. Um, anything more you kind of want? That's nice. Why does Nick. that happen? Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. You remember, I uh, remember the episode that we did where I was wondering why we were hearing some feedback and it turned out my phone and started playing music like halfway through the episode. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. m- music to the ears of Huskies fans, uh, game number one, uh, against St. Thomas, uh, great win. 
for them, right? Very good win. And uh, I was trying to look to see if there was um, any video of that hit uh, that we could bring. Yeah, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't, haven't seen, seen any. anything. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're, you know, I think the bigger thing is to suggest and I get, um, you know, certain, the instinct is, okay, you know, this is my team. I, I'm all for my team. And that fandom was great. But to say that coaches and players are out to you know sort of be the hit squad and i get maybe that's the vikings tremors for some minnesota sports fans with the uh bounty game but that's that's not (laughs) happening here um it's unfortunate it really is Mm -hmm. for for josh but again we talk about the positives right and that is we talked about how there would be uh, essentially good players that may be finding the bench because there is a crowded locker room on the defensive corpse yeah. Uh, like you know, you, you don't ever want to be in the situation, um, but you do find yourself uh, having the benefit of having good players that can step into your lineup. And re- you know, you're never going to replace Josh Lidke, but uh, to be able to give you quality minutes and to be able to uh, make an impact on the game in their own, you know, unique ways. And so St. Cloud is is in a good position to uh, absorb his energy, uh, his injury. Excuse me. Oh my gosh, my words are just escaping me um you know to the to the degree whereas you know you, you can feel confident going into next uh the next time they play a couple of weeks from now and yep. to know that you're going to be solid in the defensive end so this is you know part of the reason why you got as many as you did i guess yes certainly uh 23 to 11 shots were in that game uh faceoffs 33 for 53 for the huskies uh you know only giving up 20 faceoff losses against something we talked about that mm-hmm. was very important for those who are wondering adam ingram four for seven in his huskies debut Good. uh grant yeah. crookshank 15 Yikes. for 20 yeah um you love to see it yami cranola was just under 15 percent uh eight for 17 uh mason salquist six for nine good to see him jump in mm-hmm. into that category as well uh let's move on to uh keep saying Friday night you know what I mean the second game <laughs> that Sunday one. for those uh, playing the home game yeah the one in the Granite City that one uh four to nothing victory for the Huskies Vietti Mianen opened the scoring from Dylan Anhorn once again uh Grant Crookshank as well getting on the board and then also adding a tally just a couple of minutes later for his first in a St. Cloud State sweater Micah Miller and Kyler Kupka their first points of the season on an yep. assist there and then waiting till the third period for the other two Yami Cranola his first goal of the year um from Viet Dimietnin and Dylan Anhorn my goodness what a great what weekend for both of those and we and we talked about Viet Dimietnin and I, I know at St. Thomas you know they have 17 new bodies and that sort of thing doesn't matter playing the right way uh, this is exactly the start maybe the conference boost that Vietti needs and Dylan Anhorn I think he's uh put himself in the lineup at least for the next weekend um yeah on the on the back end Spencer Meyer his first of the year in his fifth season Jack Peart and Yami Cranola tallying points Jack Peart's first um assist and point of the season as well um you know and uh two power play goals in this hockey game powering the Huskies um as well and on the mm-hmm. individual side of course uh, St. Cloud, um, only giving up 15 shots against having 38, four, um, only going 27 for 62 on the faceoff uh, piece. Adam Ingram was one for seven that night. Um, Grant mm-hmm. Kirkshank was 13 for 27, uh, eight for 17 again for Yami Cranler, Ryan Roseboro, three for seven and Kyle Kupka had two draws and Chase Brand missed the only faceoff that he had goaltending wise. Um, uh, Dominic Bassey, uh, was in, in net for this one had 14 total, saves and then a, there's for whatever reason there's a team save in there i can't remember what that why that's <laughs> listed the way that yeah, it is you know. yeah but nonetheless uh st cloud an even much better effort on home ice their first victory at the herbrooks national hockey center this season nick this top six continues mm-hmm. uh to to get a really good start we talked about how important it was for a guy like grant crookshank to have a really good game early and feel comfortable but 
Yami Kranila, Vieti Mietinen, Zach Okabe, uh, Micah Miller, throw him in there, Kyler Kupka in the top six. Uh, I tell mm-hmm. you what, um, these guys doing the job and on the bottom six, not as productive, but hey, plus minus column doing exactly what you asked for. A little bit shake here in the faceoff circle on night number two, which needs to be cleaned up, but uh, signs pointing in the right direction uh, overall. For sure. And uh, you, you, we talked about Dylan Anhorn too and how kind of tying into that, that the Huskies, I think, really wanted more offense from the blue line. Dare I say through two games, they're getting that yeah. uh, from Dylan Anhorn. So do we, uh, do we even need, need Nick Perbix? I mean, come on. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so, but, you know, it, they're all good signs, right? So, but again, it's the consistency piece. Um, this is what killed the Huskies last season is can they replicate right. this uh, weekend and week out and dare I say game to game, right? That was sort of uh, their Achilles heel, which really prevented them from really advancing in the standings. But, you know, it, it, it held them. It's not going to this season. I'll tell you that uh, the NCHC is at least what we believe are six teams deep. And so the importance of that consistency factor is going to be uh, even more relevant because you're going to have teams like mm-hmm. Omaha, teams like CC, Western Michigan are going to be knocking on your door. And of course you have your top four, Denver, North Dakota, Duluth, and of course the Huskies bought, you know, vying for that spot. So um, again, a lot of positive signs. Um, it was the matchup we kind of thought we were, we weren't going to get that 12 to two blowout. Um, and then that two, nothing, you know, recaps a much closer affair um, right. on the scoreboard again, good for St. Thomas. Again, that shows again that they have indeed, gotten better, which we expected them to be. Um, you don't want to see those kind of blowouts. I know that even with the Miami series going back to last season, it just gets to a point it, where it, it almost hurts St. Cloud. It does. Yeah, you know? it almost does. And so it's good competition. They get a week off. They get to uh, a chance to rest, to get to go over some film, clean things up, as you mentioned, and be right. prepared for their next series. So um, again, a lot of positive signs early. And again, that non-conference schedule we talked about, how important it is to get a good record from that to go into the conference play. Again, two games in, but good start so far. Yeah, St. Cloud has a week to rest before traveling to Wisconsin October 14th and 15th. We'll keep you updated on that one. Mm-hmm. Talking about getting better, Nick. Oof, can't wait for this one. Uh, Durham West Junior Lightning on September 25th, a 5-1 to one victory for the Huskies. And then the box score. Um, Nick, you were at both these games. A 5-0 to zero victory on Friday. Um, truly on Friday, not like pretend Friday. Right. Um, and then 3-2 <laughs> to two on Saturday, a much tighter finish. Uh, on Friday night, you need a Newland, her first of the season, quite obviously, from mm-hmm. uh Newly anointed captain Taylor Lind and Courtney Hall, Tatum Geyer um, scoring from McKenna Westlow and Taylor Lind, Taylor Lind adding uh, a tally from Yanina Newland as well. Um, two of them actually second one coming from Clara Hamlerova and Allison Green, and then Emma Gentry's first of the year from Addie Scribner in game number one. So mm-hmm. uh, Nick, um, as I pull up the, the box score here for this uh, 17 shots for RPI on the other side, 31, 31. shots. Um, for the St. Cloud State Huskies. Um, you had Jojo Chobak in net who had 17 saves to her credit. Holy cow, she looked good. Holy Nick, cow. You were there. That's the only intro I have. Run with it. What 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 can Huskies fans take away, especially from that opening night on Friday? So of the last couple of seasons, Noah, we said, hey, we were just expecting at some spark. We knew that there was talent here. Right. We knew that they were capable of getting better. It just never happened. Um, so they make a change at the top. Um, they bring in Brian Adolski, um, who has been an architect of a couple of, shall we say, 
uh, you know, teams that were in a similar situation. Again, when he took over North Dakota back in yeah. 2007, three, four, five wins on the season. And then all of a sudden they're a perennial within four or five years are a perennial, not only WCHA competitor, but a perennial NCAA competitor. He also um, followed us back on Twitter. So thanks, Brian. Appreciate oh, that's it. cool. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> and at the end of it, the change was immediate that I saw uh, a yeah. couple of things that really stood out to me. Um, so mind you, uh, for just full disclosure, call the games uh, on Big Ten Plus. Uh, thank you to uh, SID Andrew Melrose for giving me that opportunity to come back and to call those games. It was a lot of fun to be back at the Herb. Um, smaller tangents, but the video board's awesome. Sound still needs help. Uh, we'll just put it that yeah. way. Um, there so needs to be I some right. Um, the, the the volume is there, but the tuning it, it's just it's a tin box. They still need some acoustic paneling and some some different tuning mechanisms yeah but it, it's better just 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 Not a new much. rink right i mean right just drop drop a couple of dollars and right but the the video boards are 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 freaking awesome we'll say that much uh but this team was hungry on the puck this team had options they had puck support in all three zones it just felt like no you know at, at times one of the biggest frustrations watching the women's hockey team was it felt like it was I, I know that the old hockey cliche, the, the puck was a grenade on their stick. It kind of truly felt that way sometimes where they just didn't feel like they knew where their options were when they had the puck. Right. I got the sense that not only was there one option and they knew it, but there were multiple options so right. much better. Also the puck possession was so much better. They're a much cleaner exiting the zone. They're a much better in terms of not forcing shots, much better puck movement on the power play. Um, this, also, this uh, their penalty kill, which, mind you, 77.7% last season, was a perfect this entire weekend against RPI. So um, also going, yeah. was it three for five or three? Yeah, three for five, I think, on the power play. So they look different. And I did very briefly stop in, uh, and talk to uh, graduate defenseman McKenna Westlog and a good friend of the podcast and uh, just asked her, you know what she's and she you could see the smile she's like i yeah. really really like where this team is going and uh granted again one weekend but the huskies put up five goals on friday they didn't do that a single time last season at all they yeah. scored four six times but never five also kind of fun fact they've never had an opening night shutout since 2008 and that was a seven nothing drubbing of quinnipiac so going back almost 14 seasons. Um, so, I think yeah, I, I think I was like nine. Yeah, you, you <laughs> were something. You, you were just a you were a teardrop at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> um, something that'll bring a tear to your eye. The second night, of course, Sonia Hola back in that. Of course, Huskies carrying four goaltenders this season, by the way. Another thing to point right. out. 26 three. saves. Um, Should uh, be four, three. Four listed here. Um mm. Yeah, well, interesting. Yeah, Nick, uh, Nick didn't put on his glasses for the game. It's fine. No, I um, didn't. 26 uh, saves on 28 shots against uh, for Sonia Hola, night number two. Um, 24 shots for the Huskies in a three to two victory on that one. Nick, you mentioned uh, the power play specialty, by the way. On that Friday night, Huskies were two for three. And then mm -hmm. on Saturday night, they were also, uh, I believe, two for three. Yep, two for three on both nights. So they were four yep. for six. Four for um, six. Okay. Which, yep. which is, which is fantastic. 
Here's the thing, and you talk about Brian Adolski and what he brings to this group, and it is so exciting to see them um, return to, to form um, at least, and of course, seem, seemingly getting better. They're going to have their big test this weekend Ohio against Ohio State, State yes, Friday and Saturday, so that'll be interesting. Not only with Brian Adolski, the work that Janelle Sergey and of course, even throw Molly Engstrom in there as well, um, uh, on the recruiting side, if you walk mm-hmm. into, um, for example, Janelle's office, you see the recruiting board. And of course, when we were down there um, back in 2019, 20. I mean, that's when we were there. Um, that recruiting board was pushed out as far as it could go, like 2025, right? So yeah. now they're probably even 2027, 2028. They have their radar up looking for good players. And of course, with Janelle and Molly, both former U.S. Olympians, and then Brian Adolski, of course, coaching um, the Chinese women's team as well. Yes. Too. Um, you know, that experience, you can tell that, it's making a change right away. And like I said, I, I believe that Brian and Janelle and their new coaching game plan and strategy has been effective from the get go. But yes. I also think the, the uh, addition of players that Janelle has, has worked at to try to get them to this university when let's be fair, St. Cloud really struggled um, in past years in certain moments. And, and it's hard to say, Oh, do you want to come to St. Cloud who finished seventh in the WCHA? Or do you want to go to Duluth who finished fourth and went to a national tournament a couple years ago? Right. So, right. Um, you know, I think that's a big change for this uh, women's team, Nick, I want your prediction before we move on to some Minnesota wild pieces here. Um, just a little tangent about the wild preseason. This women's team faces Ohio state next weekend. You haven't gotten a chance to see them. How do you think they're going to fare? I think it's going to be closer than people think. I really do. Um, I still expect Ohio State to maybe gather one, if not both, victories. But I think in the past, for Huskies fans and for the women's squad, it was easy to sort of look at that opponent, those good opponents, when, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio State, and go, okay, right. this is going to spell trouble. Even last season, Noah, there were times where, I mean, this is, I think, sort of the downfall of the previous regime was they had games where they, if they maybe just didn't panic or shot themselves in the foot, they may have come away with some more victories, right? Right. Um, There was some good signs there. Now I feel like with the way they're playing the game, now granted, this is still early, they're going to pose a much bigger threat to these so-called established powerhouses than I think they're ready for. I do think that the women actually do have a chance to split this series. I really, yeah. really do. Um, and you talk about um, players that stood out. Uh, Jojo Choback was really, really good. Uh, the transfer goaltender from Duluth, uh, super solid in that. But holy has, gosh, Taylor has, Bland. has been a great uh, strong point for St. Cloud in recent years has been the goaltending position, by the way. It has been. Uh, they just haven't had the complement of players in front yeah. of them. Honestly, and you, and you mentioned Taylor Lind. How about her transition from when we saw her as a freshman and she was someone who really didn't feel like she had the puck on a string, was maybe a little bit timid and underconfident in the way that she plays the game. And like, you would have no idea watching her play the game. You no, know, uh, Brian Adolski even made a comment about Taylor Lynn. In fact, saying that that's the player that we want to recruit to play for St. Cloud. I will tell you this, you know, in years past, watching St. Cloud women's, and this is no disrespect anybody that's worn that sweater, but you know, uh, players that, you know, had a complete game, you know, that really, you know, you could just look at and say, wow, this is an impact player. Taylor Lynn this last weekend was that impact player. She was phenomenal yeah. um, in terms of uh, in every, every zone on the ice too. Um, she just all over the puck. She was disrupting shorthanded. Um, and Holy cow. If you want to talk about small tangents, St. Cloud, 
as far as shorthand, they were up ice. They were challenging puck carriers, even dare I say yeah. deep into the, uh, into the offensive zone. They were basically playing like a one, one, two, and just kind of rotating the top two fours. And there was just no, our pit has no idea how to handle it. And uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of confidence taken from that. I really do. But Taylor Lynn, my goodness gracious. Um, you, you talk about a player that came in timid, shy, had all the tools in the tool bag, just maybe didn't know how to utilize them. Um, is now sort of, you know, the graduate surgeon who's now teaching everybody else. She is, uh, right. she is, you know, she's precise. Um, she is uh, confident. And uh, man, she executes and she's fun to watch. Yeah, certainly fun to watch. And speaking of watching, go to some St. Cloud State women's game. The attendance still a little bit sparse, especially for people who I know were in the Granite City. Dude, you got to go and watch this team, especially they are on the rise. Get in the Herberts National Hockey Center and support them like we do the men. Um, There's no excuse to not support them because they are a fantastic group of people to be around and wishing them the best. As we pay attention to their action this weekend, final topic in the main portion of the show very quickly here, Nick, the Minnesota Wild. uh, First week of preseason underway and i would say it went it has gone pretty well for minnesota for those who are curious uh three to two overtime victory on the 25th against colorado five to two victory on the 27th five to victory in dallas on the 29th and then that exhibition game uh preseason in milwaukee wisconsin three to nothing victory for minnesota sold out yes um, five server arena that was cool that yeah. was cool it's it's too bad that milwaukee slash green bay isn't a bigger media market because yeah. my goodness was that draw fun um i've always had I wondered why wisconsin did pro hockey and if dare i say the media market was close to arizona that's where the coyotes would be there's no question about it yeah certainly um minnesota starting off the season krill kaprizov and marco rossi both two point nights in that opener Mm-hmm. Kalen Addison with a goal, Ryan Hartman, the game winner in overtime, Matt Dumba with an assist second game. Uh, it was the Tyson Jost show um, had yes. two goals in that game. Sam Steele assisted on both of them as did Matt Boldy on yes. both of those tallies. Um, and then Brandon Duhame from Andre Suster's first uh, in a minute. Yep. So a wild sweater, Connor Dewar with a point as well. Alex Golgoski, Nick Patan um, getting a goal and an assist. And then Vladislav first off uh, scoring in that mm-hmm. game as well. Game against Dallas, Marco Rossi's first goal in the preseason um, from Mason Shaw and Kalen Addison. Matt Zuccarello on the board from Nick Patan's second assist the preseason. Tyson yes. Jost had an apple in that one as well. Marco Rossi, an assist in this game. Um, Tyson Jost, an assist. Jonas Brodeen scoring, as did Jared Spurgeon. Shaw's second assist. Brodeen, another assist. And then Sam Steele. Again, continuing to produce another goal for him. Tyson Jost, another assist. Tyson Jost is like a guy who literally might be in the top six uh, unless he continues to have this type of chemistry with Sam Steele because it's been impressive. Andre Suster, a point in that one. And then finally, the last three goals here, Nick. Connor Dewar, Matt Boldy, Brandon Duhame, and then Ryan Hartman and Dewar with assists in that game in Milwaukee mm-hmm. against Chicago. So um, for those who are curious, Nick, um, tomorrow or, or today, whenever this show comes out, Tuesday, October 4th, St. Louis, um, they're in St. Louis, then at home against Chicago on Thursday, at home against Dallas on that Saturday. And that is it for the preseason. And then we wait till Thursday, October 13th, home and season opener against the New York Rangers. Mm-hmm. Nick, pretty obvious. There's some kids that are vying for a spot that are certainly holding on to that position with pizzazz. One of them being a certain guy by the name of Marco Rossi. It's funny how we go through the the 
the score and and this and that and those are all great but i'm gonna shut down your analytics mouth here for a second right. um <laughs> right because i know that's the one thing you got but the the, the, here's the but here's the thing though there is there is some importance to that and you know when you talk about preseason and you're you're looking for the guys such like marco you're looking guys like kaylin addison sam Steele, nick Patan, i think is actually impressed too uh yep. actually um but you're looking to see, okay, the guys where the door is open for them, are they taking it? They are, 100%. Um, yeah. Rossi, not only did he not look out of place, but it looked like he looked comfortable. Yeah, he looked he like looked, he belonged. He looked, yeah. looked like he belonged. Kalen Addison, same thing. Dare I say Andre Schuster in his limited role also looked pretty good. Yeah. I like the way Schuster looked. So, Pan looks good. So what they say... Um or what the rumor always is every year is that the last week, the last couple of games is when teams and players start trying. Um, and the final tune up game, I, uh, is there anybody that we felt in our prediction last week for our lines? Is there anybody that you feel has fallen out of favor to make this Minnesota wild lineup? And is there anybody that we didn't mention in that, big club echelon that you feel like Nick Patan is somebody mentioned. Is there anybody else that you feel that you feel has made enough of a case that it's like, Oh boy, they might have to keep this guy around a little bit here. I think the one name that we mentioned last week, because his name circulated all last year, Adam Beckman has kind of fallen, I think out of favor. Um, And and we're starting to kind of get a glimpse of stuff. Maybe why he was sent down last year. Um, Again, it's year to year, you know, just like anybody else, you have chances to improve, but and it, it's funny because it goes two ways, right? For an athlete, it's what's your individual you know, situation look like? And more so, does somebody else's development and their role, do they just outshine you? I think it's a little bit of both. I think Beckman is sort of undershined for himself. But I also feel like guys like Nick Patan as a depth role has actually looked pretty good. The addition of Sam right. Steele. Um, you mentioned, you know, him, their chemistry, right? Sam Steele. Sam Steele could be the pickup of the offseason. He the could wild. be. He yeah. really could be. And sometimes it's just based on need and just situation and and, and kind of the fit, right? And uh, to me, I think there's your answer. I think Beckman has sort of slid down, and I think guys like Batan and Sam Steele uh, sort of proven Bill Guerin that you know these are kind of depth pickup roles, but at least early on. And granted, it's preseason, and it, it's not a total, you know you know, so you look into the prism, but so far from what we've seen, it looks like that's where things are trending. Um, and then when Jordan Greenway gets healthy, uh, depending on that timing, you know, maybe some different decisions, but right now that's kind of how I see it. Did you see it any differently than I did? No, I think that's a really good assessment. I just wanted to see there's one player that I'm forgetting. Cause I, um, I gotta be honest, the name doesn't come to me, but he's very good at punching people in the face. And I'm trying to remember who that is. Oh yeah. And, and what um, was that? What was that defenseman that we traded to Toronto for a seventh round pick and everybody was pissed off about last oh, year? Uh, Oh gosh, Brendan Braden, somebody. Um, see, there, that's the thing. I don't even remember. I know. <laughs> remember well, it's funny name. because he never made it to the NHL uh, with Toronto, and if I remember correctly, he kind of underwhelmed it too with the Marlies. Uh, I'm gonna find that because that's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me see. I think I think it was in Colorado is where this fight happened. So I'm looking for the recap. I'm looking for the box score. Except where the the, uh, the, uh, the linesman also took a took a shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, not, not Bra- Brandon Baddock. That's what I'm thinking of. Baddock, um, okay. Yeah. Um, likes to punch people in the face. We love it. Um, but, no, but nonetheless, I mean, I think Minnesota, um, 
in a pretty decent little spot. They've got options here. They've got a lot of guys vying for spots. You know, it's a very competitive roster. It doesn't feel like it's been locked in, so to speak. Um, oh, a lot Brennan of- Manel. That's who it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> beyond that, uh, speaking of that guy, the guy is going to be Nick Max, and he's going to inform us here. Extra ice session. We're going to head over uh, NCHC Media Day. N- ugh, NCHC Media Day. Let's try maybe, that again. Maybe I need a host next week. <laughs> yeah, Mike check one, two, one, three. Um, are you receiving? Um, but nonetheless, the message has been sent, and we're going to hear all about those messages here in the extra ice session. Welcome into the extra ice session, Nick Max, and joining myself, Noel Grant. Nick, don't laugh. I know you want to laugh. Um, if I do, it's only because I'm looking at myself in the rear, in the you know, in the camera. But that's fine. In the rearview mirror, yeah, that's a. Don't be laughing when you're looking. I in mean, the rear mirror. that's a. There's, there's some interesting symmetry to that. You know, if you're looking in the room, that means I'm leaving myself behind. Is that what that? Yeah, when that, you hear the that, rumble, oh when you hear the rumble strips, bring it back to center, okay? Oh, um, got it. Okay. <laughs> with that being said, uh, rumbling down the highway here, uh, NCHG <laughs> Media Day, we're taking the U-turn backwards in time. Okay, enough with the road puns here, Noah. But again, <laughs> um, why don't we go from the back end up, Nick? Um, I'm kind of kind of let you have the reins, um, just kind of get tee up for each team. Maybe we'll go with our sure. preview order. Um, yeah. Miami. Uh, let's start with them. They got their big victory against Ferris State this weekend. Didn't look totally State out of did. place as far no, as that is not. concerned. Chris Bergeron has been on the pseudo hot seat technically for a while, I guess, just with that program and they're in kind of a weird spot. Um, weird spot is probably the best way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you anticipate from the season? Um, and is this team going to be more than Ludwig Pearson on ice? They are actually going to be this year. Um, and, and, you know, it was interesting talking to Miami because you know there there are certain times Noah where well what's the what's the best way to phrase this where you get sort of that honesty that you always want but you know or at least you anticipate you never will get yeah and uh, let's just say there was some honesty um, with Miami that I was certainly wasn't anticipating uh, with Media Day right. um, so you know you sit down with these guys. Uh, and you sort of, you know, try to dare I say, you know, you, you ask him some, you ask him some questions, you kind of get, but then you, you kind of, you know, get at him a little bit. Right. Right. Um, I, I think what's important to understand here is that Miami knows and to the, to the, to the captain that I talked to, um, they're well aware that where they're at and yeah. even more so. And I think this is where I, I actually earned a lot of respect. Um, I'm trying to pull up the, the gentleman's name um that that got it to me but just simply ask their captain um yeah uh effectively what do you expect out of the season you know what what's you know how do you guys you know take something that has been not fun and try to turn the corner and quite frankly gave me the answer of well well we just didn't have the locker room quite literally said it verbatim um and then he went on to say that those guys are are basically gone um Feel, he feels like that, you know, he had a voice, but it wasn't really reverberated. Uh, it feels like now that the locker room is his, then and he actually then it kind of said, now the locker room is kind of ours and they feel more right. cohesive. Yeah. Um, so if that is truly the case and there was some, maybe the, the not the right pieces there, I think that's the best way to phrase it, right? Um, dare we say this team, I don't think they're going to surprise people, but I think they're going to be better. I think they're going to be more competitive because last year without sounding disrespectful, they were, they were bad. And yeah, 
to to the point where I, th- I think they're especially during the St. Cloud series again it was not fun hockey to watch even though as Huskies fans are on the the better end of that it's still when you look at those kind of games you just look at a team that just doesn't even seem engaged and just sort of yeah bent to the will you know you, you hope those days are behind Miami or you really do you never wish mm-hmm. a team to to kind of it- Put on that kind of performance. It's interesting. Senior defenseman Jack Clement is the Thank you. Um, yep. is the, is the captain this season. Yep. Interesting thing number one. I love reading on their website because Miami unfortunately doesn't get a lot of victory. I love it. The title for um, Sunday's win: Miami rips Ferris State four to one. I love it. Um, <laughs> but with that being like said, that. Nick, um, in relation to another NCHC team, you remember who the captain last year for the Red Hawks was? It was uh, a guy who's now. On the UMD Bulldogs, is Derek Dashke. Derek Dashke. Um, interesting. Uh, something to note. Final question about Miami here, Nick. Mm-hmm. Is there is there zero pressure for these guys? Can they maybe play a little bit easier knowing that there's no real expectation for them? I think you can. Um, but also to the same juncture, you know, there's going to be internal pressure too, right? Because you do, especially if you have a locker room that says, hey, we can do things. We can do things now. We're positive. I think there's internal pressure there too, right? There's external internal pressure. Um, so you, you hope that they take the approach that is, yeah, we have nothing to play for. But maybe they do, right? Because athletes, even when you're on a team that doesn't have the same accolade as North Dakota or whatnot, you know, they still want to advance in their pro career. So they want to make some type of impression. They want to go play pro yeah. hockey, right? Last, well, last, do it. Last, last time I checked, uh, Miami is one zero and one this season. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, when you, when you look yeah. at it, that really they're going to be their biggest enemies because, you know, you can let that pressure of feeling like you have a higher ceiling get to you, or, or like you said, you, you can kind of just take it one game at a time and say, you know what, this is going to be, you know, we're not going to flip the ship upside down in one year. That's not going to happen, but we can certainly establish, you know, um, a higher bar and then build from there. Right. And so I think as long as they keep that loose minded approach, they'll be better. Uh, certainly in, in as long as indeed what they tell us and what was so very honestly spoken yeah. about was if they have some of those pieces that were maybe a hindrance, maybe that's the best way to phrase it gone, uh, whether for whatever reason, um, it should translate to better results. And you kind of hope to see it, honestly. Um, I don't you know, know if, I don't know if you've seen the last dance, but, uh, Omaha coming in at number seven, uh, took that personally. Um, yes, they did. Uh, yeah, what a great showing against Minnesota State. Did you get a sense from the NCHC Media Day that this was a team that felt like they were ready to kind of strike back at the predictions a little bit? Uh, a little bit, because I think Omaha feels the same way that we kind of feel about them, which is they have the talent and the coach, Gavin. That, again, you talk about a fantastic human being, Gavin. It's one of them. Um, I think he felt like, you know, they kind of took a page out of Denver's book a little bit last year um, yeah. where he talked about being cohesive. And he talked about, you know, all being on the same page and executing and just the smaller details. Right. And I think Omaha knows that kind of what everybody else in the NCHC knows that that non-conference schedule sets you up in terms of your momentum, quote unquote, your confidence to get to conference play. And if you're on a good train rolling, then that really does kind of help you set up. So I know they're looking at the non-conference schedule as we need to get ourselves right out in the right foot. And uh, that's one way to make a statement. That, yeah. that certainly is. Yeah. 
Yeah, it certainly is. Omaha is a very curious case here. Um, maybe we'll cruise through a couple more here. Uh, our sure. next next favorites, uh, the Colorado College Tigers. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about Brian Yoon um, and what they believe uh, and believing in this group. But uh, beyond that, you know, what from Brian's team uh, is the expectation? Because we know they believe in that locker room. Yes, we know they that they, f- they feel that they're on the rise. But did you ever get a sense for them feeling like there was – almost an expectation that they should be pushing for a home ice spot. I mean, kind of, how did they feel? I don't think they look at it as a home ice spot, but I do feel like, um, in the words of Chris, man, I'll start with him is, you know, he, so, and he takes it back to the opening of Ed Robeson arena in terms of, you know, beforehand, even going to practice, it was like driving across town. It was like going to work almost now it's they, he's like, we feel at home now. And, you know, these guys can walk from their dorms or their, you know, student apartments and they can walk there and they can work out whenever they want. They can get the ice surface, you know, whenever they want. And he talked about how now they feel like they kind of just have a home and just what the impact that that's had. I think really, truly, and mind you, Chris, he was very relaxed, very, very confident. And for Brian, um, go to him just to kind of wrap up CC. There's a buzz. There's 100% a buzz, and and number two to kind of to to kind of end that uh, in the team. Um, I think they expect to be better, and uh, if again small samples, it shows that I think they do believe it. Um, and again, you got I, I think this is overlooked too. They went from an Olympic sheet down to NHL sheet, yeah. um, and I do think that that is going to help them in terms of mold um, them into a, a, a more of that new modern NHL style, getting away from the old, like Havlin, just sit back and trap and not attack. Um, this Tiger team, no pun intended, is ready to pounce. They really are. And I really, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm here all week. Um, so, <laughs> but but truthfully, I, I really, truly feel that CC um, with their brand new unis, which are Sweet disgusting they're disgustingly oh, yeah. good um they're i think they're gonna look just as good playing the game yeah in terms of on the ice you know what they're, they're they look good i'll tell you, you know they, we did get a look at the socks by the way um yeah uh, exactly what we had kind of thought kind of a a, a flip of the shoulders um just yeah. having the black striping all the way down to the bottom a little bit they look good um yeah. so yeah and hopefully they look good on the ice like you mentioned as well too fifth place spot um not western so not looking so good to start um one and one here maybe not the result they were looking for but hey um a lot of time to turn that around of course uh the broncos probably the most curious case in the nchc tbh i'm not sure if there is much of a curious case as we were giving them credit for um you gotta yeah. remember under pat first whether they they make their first ever ncaa tournament they get their first ever ncaa tournament win um but here's a funny story so pat first um i didn't know he was this freaking hilarious uh they were talking about <laughs> a, a new horse statue right and apparently the horse head so what's it you know however you want to orientating your head so yeah you know heads let's say this what's heads on the left hand side and the tails to the right yeah apparently this horse is facing east and apparently first while it picked up on this said well why the hell is this thing facing west you spend three four million bucks on a horse and you can't even get the freaking direction right so anyway that was sort of his <laughs> little little you know tidbit to break the ice with us uh you know in our little 15 to 20 it, sessions is, but is that why the start of their season's direction went a little bit maybe yeah. yeah maybe there's some terrible foreshadowing there from the bronze statue but uh, it was it was pretty funny um there's a, there's a different energy with first Weiler. Um, very, uh, was cracking a lot of jokes with us. Media players felt very relaxed. Um, Western feels like a team that 
also feels confident. Again, they're wanting to build off of, you know, uh, something the program has never done before. Um, so I feel like they're well positioned to do it uh, again, you know, how do you respond, right? So how do you uh, you kind of came back from a, a tough Alaska trip? I get it. Um, there's, we talked about that earlier, but I think they're going to be fine. Again, I think they're when the conference play comes around, they're they're going to be just fine. And uh, under Pers- uh, Fat Firstweiler's uh, leadership, they'll they'll be doing okay. Yeah, well, he's got to be a funny guy. He doesn't have any hair, right? He's got to do something. Um, oh boy, what's, you think he, you, th- you think he <laughs> think he lost all the hair from the stress of playing hockey, though? Who's to say? Um, helmet hair? I don't know. So yeah, on the helmet. Uh, <laughs> I I know another certain somebody who doesn't have hair. Um, ah. that is uh, head coach of the men's hockey team for Saint Cloud, uh, mm-hmm. Brett Larson. Uh, Huskies fans certainly curious to yes. hear about this one. Uh, give us the rundown, man. What does Brett have to say about the hometown club? So a couple of things. Uh, we asked him about the defensive core, and that's when he was lauding, unfortunately now injured Josh Lidke, and how he was going to be matched up with the opposing players, top offensive talent. He said he, you know, Josh kind of shined offensively toward the end of the season, but he also mentioned that his defensive play is very underrated, is what he sort of alluded to, and that they were going to have to make very tough decisions night in and night out on the decor as the season rolls on. Um, and then going to the offensive side of the, of the puck, I asked him, you know, so, you know, are you excited for these young, highly touted kids? And he goes, well, yeah, but what we're looking for is how do we get a few more from everybody? Um, so we talked about Vidi. Um, we talked about Yami, um, you know, talking guys like Mike and Miller, can we get two to five goals more out of these guys? He goes, we're going to have to do it by committee. If you think we're going to rely on these young rookies like Ingram McCoyne, um, just to name a couple to be the saviors and replace the offense we lost. It's not going to happen very realistically. Right. Um, so he was sort of looking at that. And then goaltending, um, he, he echoed sort of the same things that we've been echoing here in the show. And that is James Gray um, is a lot better than people think. And yeah. uh, he's going to, he's pushing uh, both Bassey as well as caster um, in practices. And so um, dare we say that the depth is there. Yeah, the depth is there, right? Um, it's something that we had mentioned over the last maybe last season just didn't seem like it was there. Um, and then talking to obviously to Captain Spencer Meyer, uh, what a beauty he is. Um, echo yeah. the same thing. He's incredibly excited for the season. Feels like um, the new guys fit in really well. He said also of the young kids, very very mature for their age. He's like you know you expect a little bit of, you know, the, the young sort of shenanigans and whatnot, it goes, which they have. But also when I came down to get to work, I do the captain's practices. He was like, there, there was no horsing around. They, they got to work. Um, they wanted to learn the systems. They're very ready yeah. uh, to be sponges. And so that was kind of neat to hear. So um, seems like things are looking up uh, for SCSU this year. Yeah. No horsing around. Heaven forbid that horse faces East. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's kind of St. Cloud's kind of interesting because they remind me they were so cohesive a couple of years ago during the national championship run. Yep. And it almost reminds me of they're this machine with these set cogs. And mm-hmm. then last year you have most of those cogs that are there, but it felt like the machine hadn't been ran well in a while and wasn't oiled up. And now yeah. this year it feels like somebody finally took the time to take some of those cogs out that were a little bit rusty, replace them with new ones that even though they're new are working really well. And this machine is starting to have some cohesion once again. So mm-hmm. really excited for the St. Cloud season. Uh, one of their biggest matchups at number three, the Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs got Sandlin yep. in his 23rd season. Um, I'd imagine he, he, he either had some really great things to say or was just like, you know what? I, I've done a lot of these. <laughs> so a couple of things. Uh, Scott Sandlin wasn't there this year. 
There you um, go. It was uh, the new assistant coach. And so uh, for Duluth, I didn't get a ton of time with Minnesota Duluth, but uh, with Tanner, uh, Tanner Lateru was the, the captain there. Like um, I said, Scott Sandlin, I've done enough of these things. I know pretty much. <laughs> is, is, um, this, is this because you, is this because you attacked him like two years ago? I didn't really attack him. I just gave him, I know. The, yeah, <laughs> I gave him the question that uh, he wasn't uh, expecting. We'll put it to you that way. And it was uh, on hairstyle. So put it to you that way. Uh, so <laughs> he took it, he took it in stride, which is the way Scott Salen does it. So uh, fun to see. And, um, and, and now Nick's not allowed at NCHA media day anymore. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of it, Duluth, they're confident. Um, you know, they didn't really, what do you call it? you know, thwart or, or panic at the fact that they lost you know, the biggest piece of their offseason success or their postseason success in Ryan Fanti. Um, their again, Max <laughs> entered the chat. Yes. Um, but, you know, beyond the, 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 the terrible costume change, um, you know, what wasn't needed for a costume change was uh, I, I think they were more disappointed that the regular season, they just didn't get it going as soon as they'd like it to. Yeah. Um, they got it going at the right time. They acknowledge that, but they also feel like they left something on the table too in the NCAA tournament. So, sure. um, but excited again for the younger talent that's coming in. Um, they do feel like, again, they're going to be right up there. They feel confident. Um, we said that on the podcast too, um, both on this one and on uh, MNCAA, that they seem like they have a little bit of a different balance of look that we may see from them this year. Good freshman um, class. Very good freshman class. But again, they're young guys. How quickly do they gel? Um, and again, more of a stress on the defensive side of the game first as the offensive guys get acclimated and get comfortable. So they're going to be relying on that uh, seasoned veteran defensive core that they have also to help out uh, some younger goaltenders. Um, all, you know, they do have Zach Stace called, no, no question about it, but he's trying to get that group we um, acclimated to NCAA AA Division One level. They'll be fine. Let's follow the NCHC polling results here. The second best team listed as far as the league media is concerned, the North Dakota Fighting mm -hmm. Hawks. Um, of course, always in good hands with Brad Berry up there. Yes. Um, trying to retool on the fly. Um, does Brad feel confident in that? 100%. Uh, we know that Brad Berry, um, you know, first of all, two-time Penrose Coach of the Year Award winner, right? Um, I bad. think, no, and, and I think, honestly, one thing that North Dakota and I might gag when I say this doesn't get enough credit for is just how good of a developing coaching staff North Dakota yeah. does have. I mean, at, I mean, fans aside, their actual program and minus their building, which obviously is a great addition. Yes. Um, their actual program is it's disgusting. It's unreal. It's, like it's good. So, and I think us hockey fans can at least acknowledge that. Oh, for um, sure. And a lot of that goes to, uh, is it, uh, is it Dave Jackson, the assistant coach? Dane. Dane Jackson. Sorry. Yep. I keep, I keep calling him. Dude. I'm sorry. Kevin, dude. Bobby. Um, right. Um, <laughs> but he's our skills coach. Um, and you talk about, uh, let's do a comparison. Uh, Marty St. Louis with Cole Caulfield, uh, just maybe like, uh, on the power play, Cole Caulfield was going for a one timer and instead of just shooting it off because he was committed to it, um, right into a kneecap. It doesn't go anywhere. Right. Talks about faking it, then taking a step out opening up that shooting lane and then, you know, firing a puck on that. It's those types of skill plays and just hockey IQ things that Dane Jackson teaches. And a big reason why that even though you have already a good baseline of skill that North Dakota gets, um, you're only still only as good as what you can do and develop on top of that. Right. In North Dakota right. with Barry, uh, uh, Barry Trotz, uh, Barry Trotz. My <laughs> gosh, Brad Barry, Brad Barry, <laughs> Barry Trotz, Nick. <laughs> Am I losing my marbles? Yes, I am. I don't think you I, had many left, but I I'm starting to wonder seriously. I love um, it. 
But uh, with Bradbury and Dane Jackson and their their coaching staff, they do a really good job of molding that really, shall we say, raw talent, that clay, into, well, shall we say, really good NHL talent, too, because they produce yeah. a lot of top-end talent. So um, they're going to be fine. I know they know that there's going to be some bumps along the way. Again, they do have a, a larger freshman yeah. class, um, and there's also some transfers coming in. But, again, they're confident. I'm confident. We've put them at our poll, number one, because we know that they can – gel quickly they know that they can play the north dakota um fighting hawk hockey brand pretty quickly um and so they'll be okay yeah. and brad's comfortable with that yeah well let's uh trots on down the road to the final team it's the hc the defending national champion denver pioneers uh david carl you know, I always really enjoy talking with David Carl, um, just because he's just blunt and honest with you about it. Um, there was a guy that they want number 10. Honestly, um, they you would think that that would be a distraction for them. It may end up, it may end up being that way, um, but they want to be the first program to get to 10 mm. NCAA championships. Um it's a goal they have. And, and, and with Dave Carl, which mind you, for those who know him in person, at least with the media, he doesn't show a ton of emotion. Um, and here it just, he's all business and he was all business at media day. Um, he is very proud of what they accomplished. Uh, but similar to what we heard with Brett Larson and to others, it's that, Hey, that book is closed. That chapter's done. Yeah. And uh, this is a fresh clean slate, not only for us, but also our competition. And we have no target on our back. And so, not only do we have to replicate what we, I mean, it's successful, but we have to also be better. Um, and so um, I, again, I don't expect Denver to miss a beat. And dare they say, I mean, I mean, they attracted guys from the Gophers to transfer yeah. in like Tristan bros. Um, they're loaded. We'll put you that way. They're loaded. Um, they're primed for a repeat. And really the only way that similar to, I mean, I hate to call for St. Cloud is that they, they're kind of their own Achilles seal if they make it out to be, but uh this team is dialed in. This team is tuned in. They understand what it takes to get there and to actually accomplish it. And David Carl is a guy that uh, no question is uh, going to be behind the bench steering that club in the right direction. For those who are wondering NCHE action, like we mentioned, St. Cloud is off next weekend. Denver will host Notre Dame, at least on that Friday night. Um, Miami will travel to UMass Lowell. Uh, Omaha will host Niagara. North Dakota will host Holy Cross. And Colorado College will host Alaska Anchorage. I believe Western Michigan is off from what it looks like as well. So Western and St. Cloud will be off. Let me see if I notice any quick changes very quickly. A Western has Ferris State on Saturday, October 8th. Um, and then mm -hmm. it looks like um, whoever was playing um, UMass Lowell, that was, uh, I can't remember who it was, Miami. Um, they do have that on Saturday as well. UMass Lowell has three games in a row from what it looks like. Um, kind Those of darn East thing. teams. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I don't know if Michigan is playing. I don't think they are. Um <laughs> Well, if it's Western Michigan on the schedule, then no, they're not playing. Yeah, um, but nonetheless, uh, speaking of heading out in general directions, like we mentioned, men's hockey is off. Following weekend, they will have Wisconsin in Wisconsin, October 14th and 15th. Women's hockey headed to Ohio this weekend, October 7th and 8th. Uh, Buckeyes. Yep, Minnesota Wild, uh, three preseason games left, the last one being this upcoming Saturday, and then they wait till the following Thursday, home and season opener against the New York Rangers. Uh, Nick, I think that's going to do it. So for Nick Maxson, I'm Noah Grant, and we will see you soon in the den. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A 